Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. I'm sure nobody has missed that this weekend is the 70th uh, Jubilee of the Queen. Has anybody missed that or have you been so busy doing other things? What an amazing, uh, what an amazing few days it, uh, it has been. Just wonderful celebrations. Just really honouring someone who has given their life to serve the nation uh, in lots of different ways. And, you know, serving in her role, uh, there's been some massive highlights and big media occasions and things that we would know her for. But there are so many things she does that are just behind the scenes that nobody sees. And I think somebody on the concert on the telly mentioned last night, you know, she's done loads of amazing things that we know of. But how many plaques has she unveiled? How many ribbons has she cut? How many, I think somebody even said, how many sewage works has she gone and opened? And how many other things? But it's all part of serving. And what an amazing example uh, of someone just living for other people. And this morning's message, or it's more just sharing for a few minutes so that we're ready to pray for each other and what God wants to do. The, the message is really anointed to serve. And we've had some amazing things on the TV. Some of you might have even been up to London the last few days. The Trooping of the Colour, uh, the whole kind of Buckingham Palace balcony fly past, you know, the, the, I don't know how many people were in the mile then. The Jubilee service, <coughs> excuse me, on Friday, uh, that was brilliant. I don't know if any of you have seen that. Uh, but the Archbishop of York brought a fantastic message on Friday. Uh, it was Jesus, 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 uh, all the way through. It was absolutely brilliant. And the way he, he dovetailed in the Queen's life, her relationship with God, her life of serving, paralleled that with Jesus and how, what that means for us. And just fantastic. So I don't know how many millions of people were watching that service, but they heard about Jesus uh, on Friday. Now, there's strong connections between the Jubilee weekend and her life and Pentecost and why uh, God sent his Holy Spirit. And we're just going to unpack that for a, a, <clears throat> a few moments uh, but just focusing on the Queen for a few minutes, which I believe is really important uh, that we honour her just as a, as a church this morning. She knows the Lord. She has a relationship with God. She spends time every day praying for us, for this nation. Uh, somebody told me a while ago that, that <clears throat> certain time in the morning for half an hour, she just spends time praying for the nation, 30 minutes every day, and, uh, which is amazing. And you think what her life has been like here, there and everywhere a lot of times, but every day, 30 minutes praying for the nation. And even at a young age, she had a reverence for God, some kind of fear for God in her life. And she approached being queen before she was crowned, you know, with humility there was a reverence and a fear of the Lord. And she understood that being queen wasn't primarily about a role, a title or a position, 
but it was actually a calling. And she knew and she understood that that call was to serve. And she wrote this herself. She said, well, not wrote this, but she said this herself. She said, I've, this is before she was, um, became queen or certainly uh, crowned. I've not chosen this office for myself. He, God has appointed me to it. And I go to be consecrated to it by him. My prayer must echo that of the Virgin Mary and that of the Lord himself. Be it unto me according to thy will. Not what I will, but what thou will. And because he leads, I may follow in complete trust. Another quote in, a, in, a, in the, a booklet that was done by Hope. Some of you have got it. By accepting her role, the Queen sacrificed her personal preferences and even private life to, to a huge degree to adopt a life of duty and service in obedience to God's call, trusting him to lead her. Amazing. She had that understanding right at the beginning. Leading up to the coronation, she had six weeks of preparation, of Bible study, of getting into the Word, and the Scriptures, the Bible study that she did for six weeks, was focused all around the Scriptures that were used in the coronation. And if you've ever seen the content of the coronation service, a lot of it is just Scripture. And the things that were spoken over her, the responsibility to be queen that was, she was being given by God and her response then that was needed and what it meant to govern as queen. And she spent time really just in the word, preparing her heart and preparing her life for what was ahead. And the coronation itself is, is really to... Uh, invoke, it's to call upon the Holy Spirit to come and anoint, to set apart the one who is going to be crowned or set apart for the service. And anointing in and of itself, I'm ju I just want to kind of say this briefly at the beginning, anointing uh, in that ceremony was, a, was really the heart of the ceremony. There was a hidden ceremony taking place in what was seen as the visual ceremony in the coronation. And, and the anointing part was screened out of the view. It was under a canopy, out of view of the TV cameras, so they couldn't film it. Why? Because it was the most sacred moment of the ceremony. And she was anointed with oil, her hands, her chest and her head. So she was set apart and consecrated to be sovereign, to be head of the, the nation and of the church. Anointing symbolically sets apart people for service and pours out the life and the power of God. A new relationship is, I love this bit, a new relationship is established between God and his servant or servants. Take this for us, not just her. This is about anointing people God's anointing makes the difference between ordinary human life and a life empowered by the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that example? The anointing makes the difference between an ordinary life and a life then empowered with the Holy Spirit. And that's what happened that day. But that's what happens in our lives as believers. 
She was also, during the ceremony, given a scepter. And the scepter <clears throat> meant kingly power and authority. And she was also, that was, was given a rod with a dove on it, which represented ruling with justice and mercy. If we can translate those two things, the scepter and the rod, this really, and the power and the authority with justice and mercy is basically faith working through love. Faith being expressed through love. Now, the royal family, they're going through a generational transition at this moment. And we can all see over the last few days uh, where Prince Charles and Camilla and then Prince William and Kate uh, have obviously taken sort of, uh, yeah, centre stage as it were, if we can put it that way, or the lead in different ways. We know the Queen has got some mobility <coughs> uh, things going on, and, but there's a transition taking place. And in the Bible, generationally, when God moved and raised up one generation after another, with each generation, he encountered that generation. So Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He revealed himself to Abraham. He spoke to him, gave him promises, encountered with him, but the promises he gave were generational. <clears throat> he spoke those things over Isaac, but Isaac had his own encounter with God. And as God encountered him, God then didn't just reiterate promises. He made the promises personal for Isaac, for his generation. And then Jacob, when he came through, <clears throat> God met with him and encountered him and spoke the promises uh, over him, generational things. And so we see that God works generationally. And one of the things that we need to be praying for is that Prince Charles and Camilla, they have an encounter with God in their own lives personally. We, we all know and love the Queen. 70 years of, of a life lived, uh, and this is what it's been. It's, it, these last few days, a celebration of a life lived well, serving. And, and of course, all of us would honour her and, and want the best for her. But also, you know, Charles and Camilla coming through, and at some point, they're going to become king, and then whatever her title is going to be, queen, consort, whatever, um, they need to encounter Jesus. And we need to be praying for them to have an encounter with Jesus. Same with, with uh, William and Kate. Kate. They need an encounter with Jesus. And we pray that on one level because we know God is a generational God. There is a canopy over our nation because of the Queen and her prayer. Uh, praying for the nation. Her relationship with God. Uh, and... God wants that to continue. Uh, I'm sure there'll be many voices, dissenting voices, that once the Queen dies, there'll be lots of people wanting change, wanting to change this, that and the other, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so we want them to encounter Jesus so they know him, first of all, but also so they walk in the fear of God in their own lives and have a reverence before God in terms of what it means to be head of the nation in, in that way. And so they hear from God personally. So we want to we pray for them, okay? This generational change that is going on. 
But let's kind of move forward into our, into our own lives because we are alive now and we also serve God in our generation. And in the same way that there's been many seasons of change during the Queen's reign, we are right in a moment of a huge change from one era of time to another. And not just because of her, but actually because of what God is doing. God is moving and changing, not just the seasons, but an era of time. And we're right at the beginning of a new era of what God wants to do on earth. And yes, the Queen may pass away in sometime in the next few years, and the era of her life and all that that represented will finish uh, in that way, and a new era in the royal family will begin. But God's purposes are bigger than just the royal family, right, uh, in that way. But we serve God in our generation. At the beginning of every era of time, God releases his spirit in a fresh way to accomplish what he wants to do. And so God wants to anoint us afresh for this new era that we are at the beginning of. Anybody in this morning uh, today? What does that mean, uh, a new era of time? Because surely God is the same today, yesterday and forever. Uh, He's still moving and working. The world is going through the biggest shift it has had in, well, at least a generation or more. Nations are being shaken. Everything is being shaken. People's lives are being shaken. Uh, Somebody said earlier in the week in the team when we were praying for for the nation, it's amazing how as believers that we can be shaken but not moved by what is going on. We can be shaken and blown around a bit by it, but we're not moved. We're we're still staying fast to who God is and all that he is doing. What does Acts 1.8 say? It says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What do these four things mean? Jerusalem is where you live, obviously. That's the primary place that we all reach, where we live in some way. Friends, neighbours, family, work colleagues. And I believe God wants to really highlight our Jerusalems for each one of us today. Then in all Judea, where was that? That was the nation. So he's saying, you're going to be empowered to impact the nation. How do we do that as the church in the nation? We reach where we are locally and then together as the church in the nation, the nation gets affected. It's not that you're going to jump in your car and drive all over the nation and affect everybody on your own. We're called to reach our Jerusalem where we are. As the church together, we're to reach the nation, Judea there, Great Britain here. Then Samaria. What is Samaria? Now, for them in that moment, what did Jesus mean by Samaria? Now, for the Jews, Samaritans were like, you don't go near them. We look down on them. Uh, they're not good enough. They, 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 for a Jew, a Samaritan was scum. They were dirt. What was Jesus saying here? He's saying, you, you've got to go to your Jerusalem where you are to impact your nation. But it's also, I'm going to empower you. Something's going to happen in you. You're going to have a change of heart, change of mind, everything. And you're called to reach those that you don't naturally get on with. Those that are not in your circle. People of other nationalities, colour, skin, background, whatever it might be. 
And he's saying, I'm anointing you to go to reach people no matter who they are. Because my heart is for every person. I died once, or I'm going to, yeah, and for all, okay? Then to the ends of the earth, which is obviously to the nations. I'm just going to read a couple of words that two different people in the church have had over the last uh, couple of weeks. And I'm just going to read them as they've written them. And then we're going to pray. So Andrea Lundstra, who uh, is part of the Worthing Congregation, she's on the staff team here. She was praying a couple of weeks ago. And this is what God showed her in a vision about who we are as, as a church. She said, I... She said, I see the truth as an anchor. And then God says to her, I see your love to touch broken hearts. That love going down deep into people's veins, into their very beings. I see a generation of love, a people of love, sailing with living water. It's not just the generation to come, it is us now here in this place. We are sailing on boats. Each family, each household is a boat. And together we are a group of boats. But each boat has, has a purpose. Each boat is strengthening other boats. And in the middle of this boat, there is a big boat with a huge massive light on it. And this light is searching over the groups of boats and around and searching for those that are lost. Sometimes it's hard to reach other boats because some of those boats, the people, the circumstances, there are challenges and there are issues and they seem to be in the way. But as Kingdom Faith, I've called you to reach the boats that are sinking, people that are drowning. Your call is to reach the boats that are sinking. Spread your light further. Look outwards more than you look inwards. Stretch your reach. How can you sail wider if you are looking inwards? Spread your light wider. Not just from one location, but from many places to lots of places. See the importance of my light piercing through. Yes, it's by throwing out your net, but you are not holding the nets because you are the nets. Position yourself in a place where your boat, your life is visible. Position, the, uh, position yourself in a place that is seen. Not by those who know it already and can see it already. They need to spread their lights Two, be a boat and be boats that shine. Be boats that are visible. Be boats that are anchored uh, in the truth, sailing with living water, reaching out to those who are lost and far from me. And then she says this at the end, when I saw all this, I was challenged personally with these questions. What does my boat look like? Is my boat leaking? Is my boat shining? Who are the other boats around me that I'm encouraging and strengthening? 
Is my boat being diverted in some way off the course that God wants? Which boat am I following? How much is my boat looking inwards and how much is my boat looking outwards? Which other boats am I rescuing? So God's obviously encouraging us and speaking to us. This is why he empowers us with his spirit. Then Lloyd here, sitting just here, he shared something. Again, he had a vision recently. I'm just going to read out what he wrote. He said, I had a vision that I was in the body of Christ Jesus. Like literally, physically, in, like Jesus had a body. He was in the body. And followers were white cells helping the body to function. I was given the impression that God was the brain and in control of all things with the heart, uh, of all things, with, with Jesus at the heart, at the core of this body. Each white cell plays a part. Our purpose is to make the body function efficiently, but this can only be done if we're all acting in unity as God intended. However, many white cells lay dormant, as if they were happy to be part of the body, but accepting, of others, but accepting that others do all the performing uh, but accepting of others to perform on their behalf, as if salvation was enough for those just watching. Those cells that were activated, this, this was a word you had for, not just for us, wasn't it, but for the body of Christ. But we obviously want to take this and apply this in our own setting. Those cells that were activated by the Holy Spirit shone, shone brightly, and I was given a vision of a sea of white cells within the body. But as many that shone brightly, equally there were many dim in appearance. In front lay a wall of much larger black cells restricting the flow. Beyond the wall, I was able to see thousands of various grey cells being forced towards a large precipice. And beyond that, I could see a lake of molten lava. I heard the grey cells crying out like lost children as they were being forced towards the precipice. I heard the Lord saying that he did not intend for us to be passive in our lives, for he gave us the spirit not of timidity, but of love, power and of self-control. This was repeated as if a rally cry to save the lost and a wondrous white light shone behind us. When we heard the cries of the Lord, the dormant cells became active and we managed to breach the black wall in places and, and were able to reach the grey cells and they became white ones and grew in number and the cells came away from the precipice and towards the other white cells filled with wondrous light. Amen. He said, when analysing this afterwards, I believe the black cells could be like fear that restricts many Christians uh, of God's purposes uh, as he has planned for us. The enemy tries to deceive and separate us from these purposes. The grey cells were the lost souls crying out to be saved when they saw their fate and mortality. I've since researched and discovered that the white cells help to defend the body from foreign invasions. So we're going to pray. You and I, we are the wineskins. God filled, God, a, a structure is not a wineskin. We are the wineskin. God doesn't pour his wine into a structure. He pours his wine into people, into us. And, and <clears throat> the wine then affects 
the wineskin. And so the wineskin has to be supple and, and able to facilitate the movement and the fermenting of the wine that is going on inside so that when that wine is, is ready it, it, and poured out, those that taste it, they can't get enough of it and they just want more. And God is working deeply in our hearts and lives, fermenting who he is in us, enabling us to be agile, flexible, available, willing, so that he can be poured out in any way that he wants to, in any situation that he so desires. And so this morning, as we pray for one another, God wants to anoint each one of us afresh to serve. It's interesting in the early church where they served, power was released. Stephen went and served, but many miracles took place. Many things went on. So it's not just about God wants to anoint us to be powerful. Actually, first and foremost, he wants to anoint us to serve. What does serving do? It says, God, I'm available, I'm willing, Father, whatever you want to do in me, through me, if you want me to go here, there or wherever, I'm available. So I want us all to stand together this morning and I'd like to get into groups of at least three, if not four people. So you can get out of your rows, uh, find some others, there's space at the front in the aisles and at the back there and, and get together with three or four, excuse me, other people and we're going to pray for one another. You sound really excited this morning. <laughs> I'm going to read something else to you before we do this, right? I wasn't going to read this because uh, of time, but we are now. Um, Nick, who plays keyboard sometimes, this is a few months back. He was leading a prayer meeting and he had a word in the middle of the night <coughs> before the prayer meeting. God woke him up and spoke to him. I'm just going to read the, the basic outline of what he, what he jotted down. Um, he said that the, the church is going through a process of, of movement and change uh, and coming into freedom in a new way. Um, he said, but often we can easily think like we're sitting in a prison cell where the, door, where the door is open, but yet we don't go through it. So we can think of ourselves as being free, but not necessarily living in the fullness of the freedom and the life that God has given us. He, sa he said, often these prisons are things we put on ourselves or we allow the enemy to put them on us. It's not just the big issues that build walls around us. We can put self-imposed limits on what God wants to do through us and the ability that God has given us to be who he's called us to be. Sometimes thinking that other people can do it better and so why should I bother? Uh, and various other things he's, uh, he's written down here. But he said, God is mobilising the church, moving us out of a place of what can I get to a place of what can I bring? Then he said this, the kitchen is closed. The silver tray service is over. We've been used to sitting down, getting wined and dined by a handful of talented chefs. But God is saying that the kitchen is closed. Instead, we're all invited to a bring and share buffet where everyone has the opportunity to bring something that someone else is going to need and will then benefit from. Some of us have felt before that we can't possibly bring something as good as so-and-so, so we haven't even tried. We think, what's the point? But then God is waking us up to realise the hidden 
God-given life that we have. And then he had some scriptures, stretch out your tent pegs, stretch your curtains wide, and that particular scripture. The whole point of a bring and share, he said, is that something, uh, that there is something for everyone. In the context of a buffet, we're talking about being authentic. It's homemade, not prepackaged. It's not shop-bought. When you have a bring and share, you make something at home and you've put something of yourself into it and you bring something of yourself to others. Everyone has a unique perspective in the way God speaks and works through their lives. And so God wants to do something unique through every person. So we're going to pray for each other. So just get into your groups now then. Uh, We're not going to have any music uh, this morning. We're just going to pray with faith. Grab, get into groups of three or four. And what I want you to do, if, if in the next few minutes you do need to get your children, okay, please feel free to go and get them and you can bring them back in here uh, if you need to, okay, because it's 11 o'clock. So if you need to get your kids, you can do. And then come back and they can be part of the prayer. Move the chairs, move the chairs out of the way if they're in the way, okay. What I want you to do is I want one person to stand in the middle and you pray for each other one at a time. Somebody stand in the middle, lay hands on them. Somebody lay hands on their head, okay? So sorry, ladies, it might mess your hairstyle up a bit. I don't know. Be gentle or whatever. But, uh, and I want you to pray for them. And this is what we're praying, okay? The queen was anointed to serve, Now, we don't have oil this morning, but the Holy Spirit is the oil, okay? So when we're laying hands on each other, it's like, Father, we thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit that you set apart, and whatever their name is, you set apart this person and you anoint them to serve. Father, we thank you that you open the eyes of their heart and whatever you want to pray. Keep it fairly short, but if you get a word for someone, feel free to prophesy over them, encourage them. Not a prophetic word that says God's telling you to move to Timbuktu and you're going to do this, that and the other. If you get anything like that, just write it down and there's a different way of doing that. But this morning in here, this is more about encouraging and building each other up, okay? Um, So let's go. Somebody stand in the middle, lay hands on them, pray for them, anointing to serve God's heart, to be God's voice, God's hands, God's feet. And let's expect God to move powerfully. If you need healing this morning, let them know as well in your group and pray for somebody to receive their healing. So there's a release of God's power also for health and wholeness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com. 